That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday. To give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jacobus, here we are, episode 115 for the first Sunday after Christmas, which will be the last Sunday of 2020. Bye-bye to this year. Yeah, good riddance. <laughs> Did you know I was just doing the math right now, and uh, people have been literally listening to us. If you've listened to every hour of Same Old Song, you've listened to us for literally two days straight. Like since the beginning of the podcast? Wow. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's pretty I feel cool. like the way we talk, it's got to be more than two days. Gosh, we're like... So no, we keep we keep it pretty tight. Hours. Okay. So uh, I do. Yeah. Well, hear that, readers. So, that is the challenge. Good. If any one of you can listen to all of our episodes without stop, bathroom breaks and food breaks are allowed. Back to back, just binge the whole freaking podcast. We will send you a card that says congratulations. Yeah, and you know, regardless, you can rest assured that your sanctification levels will be extremely high by at least so. two points increase. <laughs> That's right. Um, so here we are, and uh, we are on the um, uh, first Sunday after Christmas. Uh, what day is that in the Christmas kind of deal? It's a uh, first, second. It's, it's, it's the third day of Christmas. That's pretty exciting. Oh yeah, I was, but the first Sunday after Christmas. I didn't know where you were going with that. Yeah, the twelve days of Christmas. That's right. Always important for those of us who are in the church year to remember <laughs> that Christmas does not begin when the elves start showing up on the shelves at mm-hmm. Target. Christmas does not begin with all the Christmas specials, as wonderful as they are. Christmas Indeed. begins on December 25th and or Christmas Eve. But And then we have the 12 days of Christmas. It's a whole, it's a whole season of feasting. So pull out yeah. the stops, get out of your stretchy pants, just feast and enjoy. Let this it time. rip. Let That's it right. rip. Happy holidays, because it's filled with holy days, so let it rip. We so, want buttons um, popping off your shirts. We want dust gathering on Jake's Peloton. Just a big old restful, <laughs> relaxing time. That's right. A feasting That's right. And fun in these 12 days of Christmas. But you got to preach, preachers, uh, on this uh, first yeah, Sunday no, after Christmas. No rest for the weary. Sunday still happens. Unless you have an assistant and his name is Ben DeHart and he's preaching That's right. on December 27th. <laughs> so tune in, everybody. And Ben is a great preacher. So it's, uh, yeah. So um, we have our, for our readings uh, this week, we have Isaiah 61, 10 to 62, 3. Then we have, ooh, always controversial, but always freeing, Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 to 25, and chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And then finally, once again, just in case you didn't preach on it on Christmas Day, 
Here we are, round around, to quote Rat, John chapter 1. Rat with two T's. (laughs) This was a hair metal band in the 80s, for those of you who are too young to know what we're talking about. Rat was Hashtag, hashtag well of sound. Um, And also, Rat is terrible. They are, let's just get that out there. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I loved Rat when I was a kid. I don't know what it was, but I just, that song, Round and Round, oh Uh, my gosh. Too screechy for me. I'm more of a Motley Crue. I'm I'm definitely on I could not get enough of that. I wanted, I wanted, oh, I loved Motley Crue too. I loved, my dream was to like rock that tight G. I had a cousin named Mark and he was like super cool. And I had another cousin named Donnie and they were both really cool. And they like, they listened to Rat. They listened to Motley Crue. And I think one of them had a Thunderbird. So anyway. Did they wear the eyeshadow and do the whole thing? The bangs? No, they were like, they were like Midwest tough kids. They were awesome. But anyway, um, Dude, but I, I'm pretty sure one of them had a red Thunderbird, just the complete package. You know, as long as so, we're talking about Motley Crue, I think, let's go down this rabbit trail. I think it's interesting it. that the last time, like, you know, these days it's very cool to kind of mess around with gender roles, to quote the English band James. Uh, mm. But isn't it interesting that the last time that happened in a big way in popular culture, I feel like it was the 80s and it was Motley Crue and that sort of band. Where, Poison. Yeah, like very uh, kind of feminine and yet... The most misogynistic lyrics possibly ever, except for maybe NWA. Like I just feel like that's, there's some deep irony. I don't know what to say the, about that. The entire, the entire, that entire culture was completely. It was, it was definitely like extremely like uh, feminine, but um, misogynistic. I mean, it was just kind of well. It's like an image, a little bit of King Herod. You know what I mean? Uh, let mm. me know where the child is. So this is your epiphany illustration. Where he says, let me know where the child is so I may also go and worship him. So, you know, it had the projection of um, a feminine and understanding and gentleness. But uh, the Adam's apple really did show in in a lot of ways. Because, I mean, there was a lot of Jack Daniels in hot tubs with about... 20 women all at once. Dude, you know what I mean? It was terrible. The worst. Basically, it set the feminist movement back about 100 years. Thanks, Nikki what? Six. Have you seen Nikki Six lately? Not. He, didn't age well. I was like, didn't, didn't nobody slip that man some vitamin C? Oh. Like, <laughs> Basically, if you were in a band in the 80s, you're struggling right now. You have diabetes. I'm looking at you, Sebastian Bach. No, we love you. We love all of you. You're great. But, but man, in a major way, you were hard on yourself. Put your like, body I mean, through the ringer. The good times don't roll for long. <laughs> you know what? One of our listeners, uh, the Reverend Ben Madison, told me he really likes when the podcast goes off the rails. So, Ben, this one is for you. Yeah. Let's get back to the first Sunday after Christmas. And, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> I have some more thoughts. No, just... So, uh, Can yeah, I just tell you a really funny story, though? <laughs> Please So, do. here's a... So, um... We were, I was like, oh, what grade? I must have been like in in the ninth grade. And anyway, I had uh, the Dr. Feelgood album. Yes. The tape. And I remember, did you, uh, do you remember that tape? So it always, so I, so it was my turn to listen to something on the family road trip. And I mean, like, dude, we had been listening to my parents, like collection of Peter, Paul, and Mary and the (laughs) Kingston fucking trio of Pardon My French. (laughs) The first explicit rating for same old song. Maybe we'll bleep it out. Anyways, So anyway, but it was like, uh, I was like, so I was like, finally, I've been pleading for my turn. And I put in Dr. Feelgood. (laughs) So, so, but if you know the opening part of the album, it opens with like the um, sirens, police sirens going off. And (laughs) 
my mom and dad totally freaked out and were like looking around <laughs> and they like pulled off to the side of the road. <laughs> that and reminds like, me. Was like, this is for, and they were like, where's the cop car? And I was like, what? And they were like, where's the police car? And I was no, that's the that's the tit. And then my dad like immediately hit eject and was like, Koo! and then it was the Kingston trio once again for like the or you know uh, the Carpenters for the rest of the way home. And I was like, oh God, save me. Oh, that so. and the Osmonds. Well, you know that's that's funny. When we the first time, if I had a hammer, stop, stop it, stop it. Uh, too much PBS in my house growing up as well. We had the Pearl Jam CD 10 classic album, but the oh, first song so on that begins with a giant F-bomb, like right out of the <laughs> gate. And I didn't know that because I'd only heard the singles, you know, Alive and other things on the radio. So yeah. we get home, I pop it in the CD player in the living room, big speakers, turn it up, and that comes on and my dad's like bringing groceries in from the car right as that happens. And uh, kind of raised one eyebrow in that dad way, did not say a word, and then just kept mm-hmm. walking on through. So... Always be careful when your parents are around kids, because as DJ Jazzy Jeff and the French Prince said, they just parents don't understand. Don't understand. That's right. So, uh, well, why don't we take a look? Um, because <laughs> here we uh, see a parent who does understand. Hey. God, our heavenly Father. No, that's a terrible segue. But <laughs> but it's so bad, it's good. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you. I have to go back one thing. You said your cousins who were into Motley Crue and Rat. Whatever. Yeah. I have to give uh-huh. a shout out to my cool cousins, Dave and Steve Zimmerman, who introduced me to Rush, and I will always be grateful. They had a Rush yeah. tribute band called Grace mm. Under Pressure, and if you were in North Carolina oh, cool. in the 90s, maybe you heard them. Anyways. Uh, Doug and Mark Gardner. So, um, and my cousin Mark now, man, he's got all these Harleys, and he's always like, I don't know, it looks like he's on a permanent Jimmy Buffett vacation still in cooler Instagram. Than you. So he is way cooler than I will ever be. Cousins. But anyway... Um, we see here Isaiah, he is once again at the end of the book, and uh, he is uh, uh, speaking truth to these people in exile who've lost basically everything. And uh, he speaks about imputation and uh, how salvation works. Yeah, and I think this is a moment, it's first Sunday after Christmas, it's always quote-unquote a low Sunday. Who knows whether it will be or not this year, but there is always a little bit of a post-Christmas hangover. You know, the the tree is beginning to get sort of crispy the um, endorphin rush that you had, the major dopamine hit when you opened your presence and maybe found something you wanted, has, that has faded. And, uh, you know, you've got that, that post-Christmas letdown. And so I think it's wonderful to have these kinds of reminders that what the real thing, the whole message here is the love and grace of mm-hmm. God and that God does this for you. Because a lot of people try to make Christmas every year the best Christmas ever. Some people will still try to make it the best COVID Christmas. They'll try to make up for all the failings of the whole world by Christmas being perfect. You'll be like Clark Griswold trying to have that perfect family Christmas or Zoom Christmas or whatever it is. But the reminder here is that the, the, the big headline for Isaiah 61 is that God does everything. God does for you what that's you right. can't do for yourself. And that's why it says God, in verse 11, God will cause righteousness and praise mm-hmm. to spring up before the nations. Yeah, I love it how it's like, it's all compared like, for as the earth brings forth its shoots and the garden causes what is sown in it to spring. You know what I mean? It's, it's a like, Jesus just parable. Just as like, these things naturally happen, yeah. uh, God causes righteousness and praise. Um, to spring up. Why? Because, well, you go back earlier, because he's clothed you in garments of salvation, aka the imputed righteousness of Jesus. That's right. He's covered you with robes of righteousness. This is amazing. And it's for this reason, because God has redeemed his people. God has redeemed you in Jesus 
uh, not because you were basically sort of a good person, but because um, he loved you. He knows who you actually are, that you're that kid who liked Motley Crue, actually, or loved Rat, and he loves you that much anyway. So <laughs> for Zion's sake, I cannot keep silent, and neither should you. Uh, you shouldn't rest either, because, uh, man, there is vindication there. You will learn to love and appreciate other music. And so... <laughs> callback yeah so anyway so moving on to galatians 4 this is paul's great letter all we get are these four measly verses but even in these four verses it's incredible uh it talks about god's timing it god is always the same god is always the savior god is always the lover god is always the redeemer we don't always see it though but now because the fullness of time has it is the right time we do see god showing us who he truly is just putting Mm. all his cards on the table god is the one who comes himself in flesh god the father sends god the son born of a woman by god the holy spirit and interestingly born under the law so born as a human being uh and under those rules to redeem us those of us who are under the law so he enters into the fullness of human existence not he's not a fake human he's not a hologram he's not a mirage he's fully god fully human so that he could make us as he is make us into children of god um in, in a really real way this beautiful verse of adoption that we can cry abba father not god don't hurt me that's right i think it's important to realize Uh, especially here in Galatians, when Paul is talking about faith, he's not talking about some sort of acceptable form of superstition. Uh, Mm -hmm. What he is speaking about here is nothing uh, less than Jesus Christ himself. So that's why when you read these, now before Jesus came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until Jesus would be revealed. And this is what Christmas is all about. We've had this season of Advent about coming, and now Jesus has been revealed. And uh, it also reminds you that uh, uh, the law was never intended to be your ladder to climb to God, but instead it was a disciplinarian. Um, this is very. Um, this is a very important thing. This was a. T- this was basically a person who watched you in uh, the Roman world and uh, swatted you with a ruler. You know what I mean. This was never your friend. This was the one who was always pointing out your failure. And so, but uh, and so this is this is how it's been until Jesus came, mm-hmm. until faith came. Therefore, the law was our disciplinary until ca- faith Christ came, so that we might be justified by Jesus. That's but right. now that Jesus has come, we are no longer subject to the disciplinarian. Uh, so you have been set free. And how did this all happen? Well, because, as you just said, Aaron, in the fullness of time, Jesus uh, was born under that very law in order to fulfill it so that we might actually begin to relate to God, uh, not as uh, so many people do, a disciplinarian, but as your loving father, because mm-hmm. you're no longer a slave, but a child. And a child, then you're an heir, through God. That means you're the recipient of all of the promises and all of the blessings that Jesus has been given. Amen. And this verse six is what a, the, what a gift that is for Christmas. Yeah. Plus verse six being the only place in the scriptures where a Swedish disco group is mentioned. Moving on to <laughs> Luke chapter two. <laughs> Sorry. I think it's mentioned in Romans too. Oh, that's right. So, that's but, right. Uh, but, uh, but nonetheless, it's very important. <laughs> Thank you for humoring me. <laughs> so now we come to our gospel reading, John 1, verses 1 through 18, which again, if you preached on Christmas Day, your gospel reading was John 1, 1 through 14, so you get four whole 
extra verses here. Um, and the message is basically the same, this incredible view of Jesus Christ, the Word of God, the Logos of God, who uh, takes on human flesh and lives among us. Yeah, Here is your first New Testament commentary on Genesis chapter 1. And, uh, you know, Genesis chapter 1 begins with, in the beginning was the Word. And so John here powerfully not only takes us back to the beginning, but he takes us back to beyond the beginning. You know what I mean? Beyond time itself. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and that this Word, that which God speaks in Genesis 1 and creates, uh, John actually gives it, um, it's not amorphous, he gives it, it's the person of Jesus that's always been there, the pre-incarnate Jesus. And uh, so uh, once again, really um, anchoring us in this idea that Jesus was never plan B, but always plan A, and that Jesus is the very source of of creation itself. You know what I mean? The source of creation itself. And then kind of commenting on Genesis chapter 2 and uh, 3 with the fall. Well, um, listen... Uh, this light, he didn't. He wasn't about to give creation its life, uh, the final say. So he speaks and he enters into creation and taking on flesh. And because it was so fallen, you know, the world didn't know him. But even he came to his own, and they were like, "Get the hell away from us!" And uh, this says something about uh, this says something about how God actually works. And the truth is, is that and how we work too. I mean, the mess is that bad. Mm-hmm. that we won't even recognize the one uh, who's come to us, the one who created us. Rather, we'd prefer to nail him up on a cross. Uh, but the truth is, is that those who came and he re- we recognized him, uh, he gave us the authority to become children of God. That's important. This isn't about your choice, but this is about not of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. Yeah. Uh, this is amazing, amazing stuff. This is what's going on here is the totality of Jesus to come not only to create you, but to save and redeem you. And and this is so key. I know so many people who have grown up in the church their entire lives, and it always just breaks my heart when I hear them say either something like, I think I've been a pretty good person, so I'll probably be okay after I die. Or they say something like, I don't think I've been a very good person. I'm really worried about what happens to me after I die. Now, if someone like that says some, if someone says something like, like either one of those things that have never been to church, it's tragic enough, but then you just point them to the gospel. But what always breaks my heart is when people who've been in the church their whole life and they don't get this, they still think it's up to them. And that's the key thing about this verse in John where it says, you're a child of God, not because of how well you did or didn't do. That's what it means that you're born not of blood or the will of flesh or the will of man or like there's nothing about you that figures into this that makes you a child of God. It's the will of God. God is the one who's done this in you. God is the one that's redeemed you, has saved you, is sanctifying you, doing all the work in you. And uh, and he will complete it, as Paul s- says in a little later. He will he will uh, bring to completion the work he begins in you. So this is the thing where this um, this is God's will. Yeah. This, and you can't mm-hmm. mess that up. Yeah, and and that's that really brings home the whole point from his fullness. We've all received not more challenge after challenge after challenge or discipline after discipline, but from his fullness we've all received grace upon grace upon grace upon grace because it's that grace that just keeps coming and coming and coming which assures us that in our failure we are loved beyond we could possibly imagine that begins to soften the heart 
of stone and turn it into flesh that enables us to receive this. And this is the polemical part, and it's really easy to read over this. But, uh, you know, it says the law indeed was given through Moses. Um, that is pretty powerful, and uh, that has defined religion and our thoughts on religion ever since. Uh, but uh, as I said, the law is simply a disciplinarian. Mm -hmm. uh, it has no ability to save you. Moses cannot save you. This is why I always say if you preached a sermon and it would be acceptable in a synagogue, you have not preached a Christian sermon. It may be a good uh, sermon, because, but it's not a Christian yeah, one. Yeah, it's great advice, but it's not the gospel. And so, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This thing that has come to save you, uh, uh, this thing that has enabled you to cry out, Abba, Father, um, has come in Jesus Christ totally. So you want to know what God really thinks about you? Uh, well, do not look to Moses. Uh, look to Jesus Christ. Mm. And uh, as he says, no one's ever seen God. I mean, if I go by what I see, then I have to rel I relate to God by the law. And uh, that's actually terrifying, if I'm honest with myself. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. But in Jesus, you hear, um, who's there to condemn? I condemn you neither. Amen. And I think I love how John here is sort of kind of falling over himself to try to convey something that he can't even put into words, which is the incredible yeah. grace of God in Jesus Christ. And, you know, we spend the rest of our lives trying to get our head and hearts around this incredible grace. And, you know, you get your marching orders here, preachers, for the rest of the year, uh, where basically God says, or John tells us that no one has seen God, but if you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus Christ, because it says he has made him known. And so... That's our role, is to introduce people to Jesus, to keep pointing people back again and again to Jesus, because that's what shows us what God is like and who God is. Because again, so often we want to make God into some being that's judging our performance, um, that is, uh, you know, just ready to drop the hammer on us. And But again, what this says is we have received from the fullness of God, grace upon grace, um, and then it's, if that wasn't enough, again, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Mm. So this is what you want people walking away from. And I think always examples are going to be really helpful for folks to realize what grace is like. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd say just as a word to, you know, preacher to preachers, um, f figure out where this hits you in your life. Where do you need to hear a word of grace for yourself? Is it that you feel like Christmas Eve didn't go well enough? Is it that you don't feel like you raised enough money for the church budget next year? Is it that parishioners are unhappy that you're meeting in person or unhappy that you're meeting not in person? Or whatever it is that you need grace for, make sure that you receive that for yourself and know that God has pardoned you and that God loves you and that you have become a child of God not because of something you did but because of God's will. And if you can get in touch with that place, make sure you can then communicate that to your congregation. Make sure that you give them illustrations and examples of what grace looks like, either yeah. from your life or from the lives of others. Because again, it's so it seems sounds so abstract and so theoretical, even though it isn't. Point them to the Christ child, point them to the grace of God, and have them leaving your church feeling embraced and loved, or turning off the live stream, whatever the case may be, but knowing that they are the recipients who've received from the fullness of God, grace upon grace. Mm. You know, uh, to kind of wrap this all up and bring it full circle, um, funny story about that. So uh, that Dr. Feelgood album, um, <laughs> you know, really freaked my parents out because they thought it was literally a cop car. I thought it was about a general and, uh, practitioner. Is that mm, not what it's about? Yeah, no, no, no. But uh, in the end, you know, 
uh, in the end, uh, they weren't happy with that. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, they could have had me throw the tape out, mm-hmm. um, but um, they never did. And uh, they let me keep it. And as a matter of fact, um, uh, for back to school that year, I was uh, allowed to buy a Motley Crue Dr. Feelgood T-shirt. And uh, I wore it. Literally, did they, little did they know what it was actually about. But uh, uh, my mom got me a Dr. Feelgood T-shirt. And so cause she knew how much I loved Motley Crue. Grace so, upon so grace. Really an act of grace in my eyes. Yeah. So, so anyway, and so I was clothed in garments of righteousness that fall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. Well, I think that will conclude this week's edition mm. of Motley Crue and other great bands of the 80s. Merry Christmas, yeah, everybody. Right. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.